0: Hi, Saints. Welcome to another edition of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Camilla D. I am your host, Dr. Camilla D., here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. Now, Sunday, we began part one in this four part series called A New Covenant with Better Promises. Part one consisted of an introduction into the Old Covenant, where God established a covenant with Abraham and then continued in that covenant with Moses and the children of Israel. Part two consists of the Ten Commandments. Does the Ten Commandments have a part in the church today? Well, let's continue in this important series and find out. Hey guys, let's pick up where we left off from part one. Where Jesus had established a new law And it is the law of love So we're going to talk about The church and the Ten Commandments today Now if you have been a Christian for any length of time You have probably been told Or confronted With the idea at some point or another That as a Christian You ought to keep the Ten Commandments And of course, it sounds very reasonable that Christians would keep the commandments contained in the law of Moses, historically known as the Mosaic law or simply as, as the law. However, this concept needs to be clarified because there has been much confusion and some misconceptions in the body of Christ concerning the law. More specifically, the 10 commandments. Because there were over 635 laws that God gave Moses for the children of Israel, which is why none of them couldn't keep them. But specifically the Ten Commandments. Now, first, I want to ask the following question and then deal with the the subject at hand. Is the church under the Mosaic law? That's what I want to ask you. Is the church under the Mosaic law? the body of Christ. Now there are certain denominations which have teachings based on the old Testament and on keeping the law. There are certain Pentecostal and and holiness groups that say you have to keep the 10 commandments. In fact, they say you are not even saved if you don't. Now that's scary because if you try to trample on God's grace and on the blood that Jesus shed on that cross, you are treading in some dangerous waters. That's what you are doing. Now, I believe it needs to be clearly defined and outlined if in fact, Christians are required to keep the 10 Commandments. Okay? Now, the denominational church world, of course, has never made a clear distinction between the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant established in the blood of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I talked about this during my opening in part one. Now when the new law was ushered in, there was a new law of the covenant. There was a new people and there was a new priesthood. The Levitical priesthood was over. I know it hurt somebody feelings when I said that, but I'm sorry, I have to, I have to tell you the truth. I'm under obligation to share with you the truth, and you can do what you want with the truth. Now, Jesus Christ is the high priest of the new priesthood. The high priest is the main priest, the top priest. Now, however, there are other priests under him, and we are part of that group, and we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know who we are in Christ. Did y'all understand what I just said? Now, first Peter chapter two, verse one, let me, re- I'm gonna read this from the new King James version. I may continue in the traditional King James as as I move along, but I'm gonna read first Peter two and one. It's gonna appear like it, it doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about, but it's gonna lead up to it. Cause you know, everything I do leads up to the word of God and it's for uh, our learning, our teaching, okay? 1 Peter chapter two, verse one. Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Mm. Now I think it is so sad to see Christians envying one another. There's nothing For Christians to be envious about now if they feel God is blessing someone more than themselves they should find out why there has to be a reason if God is blessing another Christian more than he is blessing blessing you now we should find out why and then bring our lives in line with the truth so that we can be blessed also we should not be envious of one another Be glad the person is being blessed. If this, if it's a person in the body of Christ, you should be happy that that person is being blessed. You know, be glad that that person is experiencing the blessings of God. And, and you know what that does? It lets you know that God is still in the blessing business. That's what it does. It lets you know that. And as long as he is still in the blessing business, there is an opportunity for you to reap the blessings also. Okay. He has in store for all his children who love and serve him some blessings. Yes. In my best English, he has some blessings in store for his children. Now we need to watch our mouths. Some Christians need to learn how to, how to just put a zipper on their lips. You know, we, we talk too much uh, to the wrong people at the wrong time. And I'm talking about people who claim to be spirit filled, people who claim to be believers, you know, Bible toting believers. They need to be careful about whom they hold conversations with. And they need to be careful about what they talk about in those conversations. Now, you should never, ever, ever as a Christian talk to a non-Christian whether it is your spouse, your relative, your friend, or anyone else about kingdom business. You hear me? Because they are not in the kingdom and they cannot understand what you are talking about. See, you gotta be spirit-filled to understand the kingdom business. You know, most times all all they'll do is, is make a mockery out of what you are saying The only thing you talk to sinners about is his or her need to receive Christ as his or her personal savior and his or her need to become born again. I don't care if if a a born again Christian is seen at an unholy concert where the artist is not even a believer and they are posting all over social media how they are having fun at this unholy sinful concert And then they get home and start posting scriptures. Now, I don't know if you, you get that, but do you know the confusion that caused to someone who's struggling, someone who really don't know the word? do you know what that caused? You know what it causes them to stumble and, and say, well, how can I get out of the rut I'm in? The only time you should be seen at an unholy holy concert or event is sharing the gospel. And then post that, post that you sharing the gospel with these sinners. Okay. Now what is happening in the congregation of believers is, is none of the sinners business. And we should not be seen at an unholy event, praising unholy people. Okay. Now we shouldn't let evil speaking come out of our mouths. And we shouldn't let anyone tell you anything that is evil about another Christian. The majority of the time it is nothing but envy and jealousy and the devil trying to stir up strife. That's that's what the devil be trying to do. Oh, yes, that's what the devil be trying to do. Now, in uh 1 Peter 2, 1 through 5. Since I read 1 Peter chap uh 2 and verse 1, I'm gonna read 4 through 5. Okay, because I want y'all to hear this. Now coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Wow. That is who Christians are. If you are going to operate and stand in the office of a priest, you cannot do so with malice and guile and hypocrisy, envy and evil speaking coming out of your mouth about your fellow Christians. These things do not qualify you to be an holy priesthood. Okay. That is who we are in Christ. Christ is the high priest and we are an holy priesthood to him. We are workers with Christ. That is why the Bible tells us to lay aside all these things because they are against who we are in Christ and holy priesthood. First Peter two five says to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now notice the words spiritual sacrifices. The law of Moses required no spiritual sacrifices, just physical ones. Denying yourself certain foods, going to church on on a Saturday, offering a lamb or a ram or or a turtle dove for for a sin offering. All these are physical and outward forms of sacrifices. Are are y'all still following me? See, we are in deep waters. Y'all need to know this. God does not want us to be sick. He doesn't want us to be down. He doesn't want us to be scared or going without our needs. And I'm talking about the basic needs of life. He receives no glory from our going without anything. Or going without that, or 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 by our not eating this food or, or not eating that food. These are not the kind of sacrifices God wants us to perform. That is what those under the law did. They could not eat this. They couldn't eat certain foods. I have a whole separate teaching coming up on that. Uh, It's coming down the road. I got a lot of stuff I got to share with you guys just to help you grow in faith and walk in grace. You know, they could not eat certain foods and and they could not do this and, and they could not do that. We as children of God are to make spiritual sacrifices, according to the word of God. Okay. We are to make spiritual sacrifices. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? Hebrews 13 and five says, and I'm reading from the traditional King James version here. It says by him talking about Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips given thanks to his name. That's the sacrifice that we are supposed to be doing and sharing and giving with God, the sacrifice of praise. Now that is the sacrifice. God wants our Holy priesthood to offer the priesthood or his people. That's us. Now, how do we do that? You know, with our mouths by making a joyful noise, under the Lord, of course, speaking forth his praises, telling forth and, 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 and singing the praises of God's goodness. That's what we should be doing. That's why we need to lay aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisy and envies and, and all evil speaking towards our sisters and brothers. We need to be using our mouths to, to offer up sacrifices and praise to the Lord. You cannot praise the Lord and speak evil at the same time. Can't do it. Now, Jesus said, you cannot get sweet water and bitter water out of the same fountain. You cannot have evil speaking and praise for the Lord coming out of your mouth at the same time. Now, the apostle Paul said that there is nothing unclean of itself. He says that in Romans chapter 14. He was speaking about ceremonial uncleanness in reference to the Jew. Now, under the old covenant, there were certain animals... That were classified as clean and unclean. Unclean animals were never to be used in sacrifices to Jehovah God. Did y'all know that? It was not that the animals were dirty. It was just a distinction that God made between certain animals. But Paul said there is nothing unclean of itself except to that man who thinks it is unclean. Now that's what Paul said. All things are made by God and they are to be received with thanksgiving. Now let's go back to, to first Peter and cover some, uh, some other things concerning who we are in Christ. See, this is the new covenant. Who are we under the new covenant? Now, wherefore, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone elect precious, And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Under you, therefore, I'm sorry, unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. We talking about Jesus being that chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Ooh, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That is why we shout. That is why we we clap our hands and stump our feet and and look like we going crazy. Because we have been called out of darkness into his light. God's light. The light of his son Jesus. Many of us, before we were born again, walked in darkness for many years. There wasn't anything to shout about in the dark. And y'all know it wasn't. How could we shout in the dark? But... Praise God, we are in the light right now and there is a whole lot to shout about. Oh, yes, it is. It's a lot to shout about my sisters and brothers, because we are getting to see all the things we could not see when we were in the dark. See, people who are still walking in the dark can't see this. They don't understand this. Now, first Peter two and 10 says, which in time past were not a people talking about us, the Gentiles, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You tell me we don't have nothing to shout about. We are a royal priesthood. Now there is a twofold priesthood we are involved in under this new covenant. And we're getting ready to talk about that. First of all, we are a holy priesthood. The holy priesthood offers up spiritual sacrifices and praises. In other words, we we sing the praises of God's goodness and tell about the goodness of God. That's what we do. We praise his name and we give him honor and glory in verbal ways. Now, the royal priesthood, on the other hand, deals with the things concerning God by his word. Now, the holy priesthood function. Is our personal private uh, praising of God's goodness and exalting of the Lord we can also do that publicly but it is primarily for our personal and private worship in our royal priesthood function we extol and present the things of God and the things of Christ through the Word of God it is the manifestation that comes through the Word okay the question that confronts the church today is, what is the church's relationship to the old covenant? That's the question that should be asked. What is our relationship to the old covenant? The answer is, it has no relationship. We don't have a relationship with the old covenant. None at all. The Gentiles were were never under the old covenant. Nor could we get under it, except in, in, in a very rare situation, You know, he would have to submit to circumcision and then he would have to go through a special ritual in order to be inclined. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, because I just got off from my uh, worldly work and I am a little tired, but I always say if I have an obligation, I am going to do it. But we are you can be included in Judaism as a proselyte. But here's the thing that, that that can't save you. You can go ahead on and join uh, the old covenant if you want to. It still can save you. But ordinarily, no Gentile was under the law because the law was not given to us. It wasn't. It was not given to us. The covenant was not made with us. The covenant was made with the seed of Abraham and with no one else. Now, in fact, no Jew or Israelite can get into the old covenant today. Uh Uh-uh. Because that covenant is done away with. We have a new covenant. The only way to to God is through Christ Jesus, the new covenant, the covenant of love. And yet periodically we see the Jew attempting to follow the dictates of the law. It is, it's a waste of time, people. I'm telling you, I still can't understand. I can't wrap my brain around why someone would want to follow something that's not even being enforced. I just, I don't understand that. And the Lord told me, don't try to understand it. Those who have an ear to hear, let them hear the truth. Now, it may put salve on one's conscience, but it does not register on Jehovah, Jehovah God, because the law has been set aside. That's what the Bible says. The old covenant has been fulfilled. It is not functioning or operating anymore. No one can get into the old covenant now or at any time in the future because there is no longer an an old covenant not as far as God is concerned, okay? Not as far as he is concerned because I read these scriptures and I read them with comprehension. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. Now, people can try to keep something going on and and, and go through the rituals of things, and, but it is empty. It has no life simply because it is over. The old covenant has been done away with. A new covenant is now in its place. Now, is the church to keep the 10 commandments should we be keeping the 10 commandments no Uh -uh. Mm uh-uh not according to my understanding now you might say I could just be you know arbitrarily saying no you know I am not God of course so we should have more than just you know Dr. Kamala D saying no now certain denominations say if you are a Christian you had better keep the law oh how dare they if we are Christian, we better keep the law. Where's that scripture? You know, they worship and they go to church on Saturdays. We know who that is. That's the seven day Adventist. They keep the law of the Sabbath and they believe that anyone who does not do so has something wrong with them. Not, not now, ain't nothing wrong with them, but something wrong with us. They also keep the 10 commandments or make an attempt, or at least make an attempt to try to keep them. You know, let us start with the, with the premise that the church is supposed to keep the Ten Commandments. Let us start with that premise. Now, just like Israel was supposed to keep them, if that is true, then you can easily analyze this and see it for yourself. You can, you, you, you do not have to know anything about theology. All you have to do is just have a brain and a mind that is working normally. Okay, and I'm serious about this. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. You do not even have to have an education or anything. And you will be able to see this very clearly. We also reason from the known to the unknown. There is no other way you can reason. So, you know, we still or, or we start out with with an intellectual premise. And then we will move to a spiritual reality. Okay. Think about this. If the church is required by the father God to keep the same 10 commandments that the children of Israel were required to keep, then that would mean that the church would have to be in the same spiritual condition. The children of Israel were in when the law was given to them. Hmm. Why was the law given to Israel in the first place? God gave the law to them because Israel was spiritually dead. That's why the law was given to them. Israel as a nation was spiritually dead. He cannot appeal to them from the standpoint of the the inward man because their inward man had died through Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. So y'all forgot about that. The only way God could deal with any man, including Israel, was in an outward, physical, tangible, visible way. Now, therefore, since we, or, or God could not deal with with uh, with them from the inward man, He could not fill them with His Holy Spirit, and then tap into them through the the Spirit man. He had to deal with them from outward. Are y'all, do y'all feel me? You know, it had to be observable. So he gave them laws that could cause them to be conscious of him by saying, you know what? Thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. That's how God get, that's why he gave them the 10 commandments. Now, since God gave the 10 commandments to spiritually dead men in order to govern them, are you going to tell me that now that God has made us alive in Christ and made us new creatures, according to second Corinthians five seventeen? therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You know, old things are passed away. Now, when the Bible said old things are passed away, they talking about, they're talking about covenant things, the old covenant things have passed away and behold, all covenant things are become new but we can still say uh, to, with us we our past leave our past behind all all things have become new and just leave your past behind that you know we 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 have to follow the same law he gave to spiritually dead men is is that what people are saying these people were spiritually dead, so the law was given to them for that reason and so what men are saying and what denominations are saying is that we are in the same condition that the children of Israel were in. No, we're not. Not after we are in Christ. Oh no, we are seated in heavenly places with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we are brand new to him. We are brand new to God. Now, if we are to keep the old law as Christians, then we are going to have to to revert back to the same spiritual condition Israel was in when God gave them the covenant. They were incapable of loving one another, just like some of y'all are today. They weren't capable of loving one another with that agape kind of love, you know, because they did not have the capacity to love this way. They didn't. We do, though. That is why when Jesus ushered in the new covenant, he said in John 13, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Because the children of Israel were incapable of loving one another. So now, if we love one another, everyone can see that, hey, they Definitely are disciples of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ loved until he died till he took his last breath it is not because you keep the Sabbath day not because you refuse to eat certain kinds of meat not because you bring a turtle dove or a ram or a goat as an offering for your sin we don't have to do that anymore Jesus was our offering he said that the world would know you are his disciples because you have love one to another and you cannot love one another without having the agape kind of love okay now this is because spiritually dead men have no way of appreciating love that's why we see all this hate going around today they don't have the spirit of god in them they don't have the law of love in their hearts remember back in hebrews when i read the opening scriptures the lead scriptures where God said, I will put my laws in their mind and put my laws in their heart. He was talking about love. You wouldn't have no need to tell people about God because everybody will be loving one another. The only thing they can do is to have some kind of emotional feeling, some kind of intellectual attachment or or something like that. But they do not and cannot have agape love because they do not have the capacity for it. They have to have a new spirit. That's why you gotta be born again. They have to have a new heart. And the only way you can get a new heart is through the new birth. No one can tell me that if God gave a law to spiritually dead men, then he would turn around and give us a new commandment and put us under a new covenant, making us spiritually alive. Cause the Bible said we were made spiritually alive. We're not dead anymore. So in order for us to be made spiritually alive, we had to have been dead at one time, right? And then he would require us to keep the same law that dead men kept. That does not make sense intellectually or spiritually. That doesn't make sense. The church is spiritually alive. The body of Christ. The church is not supposed to keep the Ten Commandments. The church is supposed to walk in the new law the law of love, the agape kind of love. And that love is to control every action and everything we do. No, no, no. We are not required to keep the 10 commandments, okay? That's just, that is it in a nutshell. We are not required to keep the 10 commandments. The 10 commandments are an attempt on the part of man to make himself worthy in the sight of God. That's what the 10 commandments are. The only thing that can make you worthy is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's spiritual. Now the Bible says, for by grace, ye have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is by God's grace. We have been saved. Nowhere in this scripture does it says it is by God's 10 commandments. You have been saved. So let us look at the the ethnic breakdown of mankind on the face of the planet, how it is today. How does God see mankind? Now, there are some misconceptions here as well. And as a result of these misconceptions, many people are not able to walk in the fullness of what God has provided for them because they are walking in ignorance and not in the knowledge of the word of God. Now, anthropologists have divided mankind into several different ethnic categories, but in the sight of God, there are really only three classes of men on the face of the earth. Now, there may be many more as far as, as the anthropologist is concerned, but but we cannot always be scientific. We can't. We can't always go and, and use the definitions when it comes to spiritual matters, we have to go by the word of God. That's what we have to go by. Now, first Corinthians 10 32 says, give non-offense, neither to the Jew, nor to the Gentile, nor to the church of God. Those are the three ethnic ethnic groups that God acknowledges. Now, these are the, the, the three classes of man on this planet today. As far as God is concerned, the Jew, the Gentile and the church of God. You are either a Jew or a Gentile. Or you are the church of God. That's it. The church of God is made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And I said this before in part one. I may be sounding repetitive because I want, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to get you to understand this. Now, if you are not in the church, then you are either a Jew or a Gentile. If you are not a Gentile, you have to be a Jew. And if you are not a Jew, You have to be a Gentile or you are in the body of Christ. This is according to the word of God. See it for yourself. Now I have heard several people make, make some statements like this. What about the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man? We are all God's children. We are all brothers and sisters in God. That ain't true. In my best English, that ain't true and I can back up everything I say in scripture. Now the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man is a concept that has been uh, promulgated through the years. Okay. But this concept is incorrect. The only way you are my spiritual brother is if you have the same father I have. If we do not have the same father, then we are not brothers and sisters. Now, now this is spiritually speaking. Now, God is the creator of us all. Of course he is, but he is not the father of us all. The only way God can be our father is by way of adoption. And Jesus Christ is the adoption agency. I need to say that again. The only way God can be our father is by way of adoption. And Jesus Christ is the adoption agency. Now, if you do not qualify by being born again, you cannot be adopted into the family of God. It's just simple as that, according to the Bible. Now, and this is where we get God from. This is where we get Jesus from. We can't use it as a buffet. We're going to go in and get God, get Jesus. We're going to take them, run with it. Everything else, ah, null and void. No, that's not true. That's why a lot of y'all are suffering. That's why a lot of y'all keep stumbling. Because you, you're not taking the word with it, with you, in your daily life. You are not walking in love. You have, you have removed yourself from the covenant, the covenant of love. Now, there are some people who think they are being sophisticated by saying, I don't have to be belong to any church. Do y'all hear those who say that? I'm just as much a child of God as the preacher is. We are all the children of God. I've heard that recently. God is the father of us all. No, they're not. No, we are not. We are all not children of God. We are only children of God when we have accepted Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. And I can tell you, I stopped my sister. I got a sister who um, runs a very successful nonprofit. She also owns a um, for-profit business and she's great at what she does. And she is one of the uh, friendliest and nicest celebrities you'd ever wanna meet. I'm not gonna say her name on here because I don't promote celebrities. Um, but she would always post on her site good morning, God's children. Good morning, God's children. And so since she is my sister and I know she loves the Lord, I had to send her a private message. And I said, sister, stop saying we are all God's children because we all are not. And I sent her the scripture to prove it. Well, that was a, a, a real live example. I wanted to share with you guys um, because I want people to follow the truth. I don't want people to say things. You know, my sister no good in way. Everybody following her is not, are, are not Christians. As a matter of fact, some of them are downright devils. Oh yes. Oh yes. But my sister's, it, she has a business and it caters to, uh, who, whomever, uh, qualifies. So, um, I just had to share that with her since we, we were talking about it, you know, so. Um, we all are saying to ourselves, you know, my mama was a Christian. My great grandfather was a Christian and my uncle Joe was a Christian. Uh, uncle Tommy was a preacher and that does not make you a Christian. It doesn't, it doesn't make you any more saved than a, an atheist walking past a a church on revival night. It doesn't make you any more saved than, than him. Now, if that uh, fact that your mother was a Christian would make you a Christian, Then you would be God's grandchild. Isn't that true? Wouldn't you be God's grandchild? Well, God does not have any grandchildren, He has only sons and daughters. Now, I am getting ready to read John chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, to prove this to you. Okay? John chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, and I'm reading from the traditional King James version. Um, I think after I share this, this section, um, I'ma call it quits cause I want to make sure that, um, I am sharing without stumbling and I am extremely, uh, tired, um, physically, but not mentally. Okay. Physically, but not mentally. But I want to make sure I get the truth out to you and don't have to, uh, repeat it on, um, part three. Okay. Now, John 1 verses 6 through 12 there was a man sent from God whose name was John now this is talking about John the Baptist okay the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light referring to Jesus Christ being the light that all men through him might believe he was not the light talking about John John was not the light but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him. Oh my God. Ooh, that just went through my spirit. Jesus was in the world and the world was made by him. Oh my goodness, praise God. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own. Own meaning Israel because Jesus came out of the the line of Abraham. Okay, okay. So he was actually a descendant of Abraham and the Jews, or what we call the chosen people, that was then, back then, okay, had the first opportunity to receive him as Messiah and as Redeemer. They rejected him and and this is what verse 11 is talking about. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, if he gave the power, the authority, the right or privilege, that's what power is, to become a son of God to those who received him, then that would mean they were not the sons of God before that time, or it wouldn't have been necessary for him to give them the power. To become something they already were. Wow. This tells us. Very clearly. That everyone is not a son of God. Or a child of God. And God is not the father of every man. The scripture is clear about it. The problem is people aren't being told this. That's why people can easily say. You know what. Um, We are all God's children. No we're not. No we're not. Maybe. To another God with a a God with a small G, but not to the God and father who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God and father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and father of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God and father of Joseph and Daniel and Jeremiah, not that God, that's the God who is the Lord, who is the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man is what we will talk about during part three. I hope you have enjoyed part two of A Better Covenant with Better Promises. In part two, we discussed that the Ten Commandments is not a part of the new covenant that God established with the Gentiles or the Jews who has accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I know it was a lot to take in, and for some, it was hard to believe, but remember, the Bible is also known as a history book. Certain events in the Bible are historically accurate, they did happen. We also learned that just because we are God's creation, it doesn't mean that we are his sons, daughters, or his children. Now, next Sunday in part three of this four-part series, we will discuss and learn the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Now, until next time, we walk by faith, not by sight. And remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D. rightly dividing the truth in peace and love. See you next time.